The Word of God, the Holy Bible, is a treasure and a gift beyond compare. Every passage of it points to a marvelous truth that God's love for man impelled him to step out of eternity and unite with his creation in order to redeem him from sin. Jesus Christ is both the author and subject of this precious word. Join us at the Superior Word each week as we search out this wonderful gift in search of Christ Jesus. Psalm 125, this is a song of ascents. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous reach out their hands to iniquity. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, and to those who are upright in their hearts. As for such as turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them away with the workers of iniquity. Peace be upon Israel. Okay, we're in Leviticus 14, 10 through 32. This is entitled, Purified from All Defilement. So starting in verse 10. And on the eighth day, he shall take two male lambs without blemish, one ewe lamb of the first year without blemish, three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, and one log of oil. Then the priest who makes him clean shall present the man who is to be made clean, and those things before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then the priest shall take one male lamb and offer it as a trespass offering, and the log of oil, and wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. Then he shall kill the lamb in the place where he kills the sin offering and the burnt offering in a holy place. For as the sin offering is the priest's, so is the trespass offering. It is most holy. The priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering, and the priest shall put it on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. And the priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it into the palm of his own left hand. Then the priest shall dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left hand and shall sprinkle some of the oil with his finger seven times before the Lord. And the rest of the oil in his hand, the priest shall put some on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot, on the blood of the trespass offering. The rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed. So the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord. Then the priest shall offer the sin offering and make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. Afterward he shall kill the burnt offering. Then the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. So the priest shall make atonement for him and he shall be clean. But if he is poor and cannot afford it, then he shall take one male lamb as a trespass offering to be waived to make atonement for him. One-tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, a log of oil. And two turtle doves or two young pigeons, such as he is able to afford, one shall be a sin offering and the other a burnt offering. He shall bring them to the priest on the eighth day for his cleansing, to the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. And the priest shall take the lamb of the trespass offering and the log of oil, and the priest shall wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. Then he shall kill the lamb of the trespass offering, and the priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering, and put it on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, on the thumb of his right hand, on the big toe of his right foot, and the priest shall pour some of the oil into the palm of his own hand. 
Then the priest shall sprinkle with his right finger some of the oil that is in his left hand seven times before the Lord. Then the priest shall put some of the oil that is in the hand on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, on the thumb of the right hand, and on the big toe of the right foot, on the place of the blood of the trespass offering. The rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed, to make atonement for him before the Lord. And he shall offer one of the turtle doves or young pigeons, such as he can afford, such as he is able to afford. The one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering with the grain offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him who is to be cleansed before the Lord. This is the law for the one who had a leprosore who cannot afford the usual cleansing. Oh, let me read you some verses from the New Testament. Just, I don't want to skip that. Colossians 2 verse 14, speaking of the law of Moses, says, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements. The law of Moses is wiped out, okay, that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. The symbolism is obvious. Jesus is the one who embodies the law of Moses. He was nailed to the cross. The law of Moses was nailed with him. When Christ died, the law died with him. Thank you. Okay, so that's the symbolism where to get there. The law of Moses is over. The Hebrew roots movement is wrong, just as the Judaizers of 2,000 years ago were wrong. God is only pleased with our faith in Christ. Nothing else. No works of the law will suffice. No works of the law are going to make God happier than you just simply demonstrating faith in the fact that his son fulfilled the law in your place. Okay, and then you take the New Testament and you apply it to your life. All right, so we're going to go to uh, Hebrews verse uh, chapter 7, verse 12. And it says, therefore, the priesthood being changed, we had the priesthood of Levi, which administered the law of Moses. Of necessity, there is also a change of the law. We went from the Levitical priesthood to the Jesus Christ priesthood. He is our high priest. He is our mediator. All right, and then in verse 18 of the same chapter, for on the one hand, there is an annulling, Annulling means ending. There is an annulling of the former commandment, meaning the law of Moses, because of its weakness and unprofitableness. The New Testament calls the law of Moses weak and unprofitable. Why would anyone want to go back under a law that was weak and unprofitable? When we have a law in Christ that is perfect in all its ways, it isn't weak, it isn't unprofitable, it is fully sufficient to save everyone who comes to it by faith. Then we go to chapter 8, verse 13. In that he says, a new covenant is made the first obsolete. Everybody here knows what the word obsolete means. I say it week after week. It means we're still under it, right? No, it means it is done. It is gone. It is finished. Obsolete means like your old car that they don't make anymore and you can't get parts for. It's no good. You can't do anything with it. And then finally from chapter 10 and verse 9, speaking of the law of Moses, he takes away takes away. That means it's gone. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. You can't have two covenants running simultaneously. The law of Moses is taken away. The New Testament, the new covenant in Christ's blood is established. There you go. So the thought of having leprosy must have been one of the worst thoughts of all for the Israelites of old. It would have to be comparable to receiving news nowadays that you had contracted AIDS or something similar. There would be the expulsion from the camp of God's people. There would be a shunning of almost everyone who saw you. And there would be an existence which was dirty and which was festering. 
People wouldn't care how you got it. They would just see you as a person who had become an outcast. Nothing pleasant about such an existence could truly be realized. But if you stop and look at the typology which we drew out from all of the leprosy verses we've seen already, right? If you just draw out that typology, what is it picturing? It is a state of the vile sinner in need of a savior. It could be, and it was, any one of us before we came to Christ. The subject of leprosy has been discussed now for all of chapter 13, which included leprosy of garments, and it has continued on into chapter 14. Today, we will conclude the rites required for atonement to be completed for the healed leper. What is important to understand, and as I noted last week, and as I will note again this week, is that everything in the cleansing process is immediate. When we come to Christ, every type and picture that we have seen and that we will see today is realized in him, just like that in us. The Lord has logically broken these things down into a sequence of events which actually takes place in us all at once, but which are noted in this set order so that we can see all of them occurring and what they mean to us. The New Testament explains them as well, but before the antitype and the explanation of his work... We have the foreshadowing type. By presenting it this way, we can be absolutely sure that what we read about in Christ's fulfillment of these things is complete, and it is totally satisfactory to meet every requirement set down in the law of Moses. This is the beauty of what God has done for us. What is even niftier is that when he walked among his people Israel, They had a chance to see this Old Testament symbolism come to life. That way, it would be fresh on their minds when he fulfilled the typology. Unfortunately, so many of them missed it, either willingly or by not paying heed. One such example was read last week. It is repeated today as our text verse. It comes from Matthew chapter 8. When he, speaking of Jesus, had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go on your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. That's what we're looking at today is this testimony to them. As we saw last week, it is the Lord who heals not the priest. Instead, the priest was simply to determine if healing had really taken place and then to conduct the rites for that healing. Here we have the same pattern taking place. The Lord Jehovah, our Lord Jesus, did the healing. From there, the leper was told to go to the priest who himself pictured Christ and to offer the gift that Moses commanded, which also pictures Christ. So you have the Lord who heals, you've got the priest who pictures Christ, and even the offering is a picture of Christ. If you can see it, the entire law is being fulfilled right before the eyes of the people of Israel. They were without excuse when Christ rose from the grave. The details of their ancient law, which had been shown to them through the work of Jesus, was a proof of his messiahship. As a whole, they failed to recognize it. Now, it is they who are outside the camp, suffering as lepers, and it is we, the redeemed of the Lord from both Jew and Gentile, who have been healed, we have been cleansed, and we have been brought into eternal fellowship with our Heavenly Father. Amazing. Simply amazing. It's all to be found in his superior word. 
And so let's turn to that precious word once again. And may God speak to us through his word today. And may his glorious name ever be praised. Only two thoughts for you today. The first is atonement before the Lord. It's verses 10 through 20. The time has come. The cleansed leper has gone through his time of personal purification, and now he is ready to be fully reincorporated into the fellowship by making his offerings at the sanctuary. Until this time, he has been allowed into the camp, but he has remained outside of his tent. He has also been kept from the sanctuary itself. But now that his time of purification has passed to the sanctuary, he shall go. Verse 10, and on the eighth day, he shall take two male lambs without blemish, one ewe lamb of the first year without blemish, three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, and one log of oil. It is the eighth day, the number of new beginnings in Scripture. As a leper, he was excluded not just from the sanctuary, but also from the camp itself. The first ceremony was performed outside of the camp, and it allowed the leper to come in among the brethren. The second ceremony, which will now be detailed, would restore him to all of the privileges of a covenant relationship with Jehovah the Lord. As I said, these things happen at one time when we receive Christ, but they are divided into different rites with different offerings to show us an entire broad picture of all that Christ has done for each and every one of us. On this day of new beginnings, the healed leper is to bring as offerings Four things, which will comprise three types of offerings. The first consists of shnei kebasim, or two male lambs, or more correctly, rams. Kebas comes from a root which means to dominate. It thus pictured Christ's domination over sin, something which has been pictured in this person's cleansing. These are to be tamim, or without blemish. Thus they picture Christ in whom no defect was found. Next, he is to bring kapsa achat, or one ewe lamb. This is the feminine of the word that we just used, kebes. This is to be of the first year and also without blemish. This female ewe lamb is rarely seen in the Bible, only eight times, in Genesis 21, here, number 6, and in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Thirdly, he is to bring a grain offering of three-tenths of an ephah, or what would equal three omers of fine flour mixed with oil. It's believed that the three omers of flour were brought in connection with the three animal offerings, a tenth for each. But that's just speculation. That's something that people comment on. And lastly, he is to bring something new to scripture, a log of oil. This is the first of five times that the log will be seen, and all are in this chapter. It comes from a root which means to deepen. The word is cognate to the Arabic word which means deep, depth, and abyss. The log is a set measure for liquids. Jewish tradition says that the measure of the log was equal to six hen's eggs, but that's not in the Bible. It's just Jewish tradition. Verse 11, then the priest who makes him clean shall present the man who is to be made clean and those things before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. The words, the priest who makes him clean, obviously means the priest who performs this ritual. It is the Lord who cleansed, and it is the Lord who accepts the ritual of atonement. However, the priest here is typical of Christ, our priest, in that it is he who presents us to the Father in purification through himself. In the ancient type, the healed leper is presented with his offerings before the face of Jehovah at the door of the tent of meeting. Every detail points to Christ. The offering, the Lord, the door, the tent itself, 
all of it, just as we saw in the book of Exodus. The term, at the door of the tent of meeting, signifies the place where the brazen altar is. As we have seen many times, it is the offerings at this altar which symbolically allows access through the door. It's a picture of Christ dying and us being granted access through his body, which he calls himself the door. Verse 12, and the priest shall take one male lamb and offer it as a trespass offering and the log of oil and wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. Something different occurs here with this asham or trespass offering than any other such which is found anywhere else in scripture. The entire live animal along with the log of oil is waved before the Lord. To understand the significance of this, we can take a short departure to the book of Numbers, chapter 8. Here's what it says there. And you shall bring the Levites before the tabernacle of meeting, and you shall gather together the whole congregation of the children of Israel. So you shall bring the Levites before the Lord, and the children of Israel shall lay their hands on the Levites. And Aaron shall offer the Levites before the Lord like a wave offering from the children of Israel, that they may perform the work of the Lord. Then the Levites shall lay their hands on the heads of the young bulls, and you shall offer one as a sin offering, and the other as a burnt offering to the Lord to make atonement for the Levites. And you shall stand the Levites before Aaron and his sons, and then offer them like a wave offering to the Lord. Thus you shall separate the Levites from among the children of Israel, and the Levites shall be mine." After that, the Levites shall go into the service of the tabernacle of meeting, so you shall cleanse them and offer them like a wave offering. As you can see from that account, the Levites were waved, setting them apart to the Lord and for his service. Thus, it is showing us that in picture, the lamb, which is the substitute for the healed leper, pictures him being set apart for the service of the Lord, being dedicated to him. The log of oil being waved is more than just representing the spirit. As I said, the word log indicates deepen or depth. Paul explains the spirit's work indicated by the log in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 with these words. He says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. The live animal, signifying the power of Christ for cleansing. The log, signifying the Spirit of God who has searched the spirit of man. And the waving, signifying the omnipresence of God, are made a substitute, a sham, or trespass offering for the healed leper. Verse 13, then he shall kill the lamb in the place where he kills the sin offering and the burned offering in a holy place. For as the sin offering is the priest's, so is the trespass offering. It is most holy. The place where the sin and burnt offerings are killed is on the north side of the brazen altar. This is the same location where this trespass offering, which has already been waived before the Lord, is killed. As this offering is considered most holy, it belongs to the officiating priest. He and the male members of his family could eat it within the court of the sanctuary. As already stated, this asham or trespass offering pictures Christ. In Isaiah 53, he is specifically called our asham or guilt offering. Trespass and guilt mean exactly the same thing. It's just the translator's preference. Here's what it says in Isaiah 53. But the Lord was pleased 
to crush him, speaking of Christ Jesus, putting him to grief if he would render himself as a guilt offering. Verse 14, the priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering and the priest shall put it on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. This rite is similar to that of the consecration of Aaron and his sons back in chapter 8. The application of the blood to the healed leper signifies the acceptance of the substitute. Blood symbolizes life. Shed blood thus symbolizes death. In the leper's consecration, he now has symbolically died to self, and henceforward he is to live for God. That each point of application is on the right side has meaning in and of itself. The right side in the Bible is the side of strength, blessing, authority, honor, judgment, wisdom, cleansing, and so on. Applying the blood to the right includes, in some measure, each and every one of those. First, blood is applied to the tenuk, or lobe of the ear. This signifies obedience in the sense of spiritual hearing. He was to heed the divine voice which would speak to him either through the law or through the prophets. He was to be consecrated to this hearing of the word in the sense of applying it to his life. Next, he was to have it applied to the bohen or thumb of the right hand. The finger symbolizes human activity. Here, the thumb represents the entire hand. His hand, thus meaning his spiritual activity, was to be set apart to God, to holiness, and to only that which was sanctified. He was to be a member of the congregation to not only hear the divine voice, but to respond to it through daily life. And lastly, the blood was to be applied to the bohen, or big toe, of his right foot. This symbolized that he was to walk only in paths of holiness, directing his steps toward God in the race which is set before him. This verse, with these three principal points of application, is explained by Paul, believe it or not, in Colossians chapter 1. Here's what he says. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That's the ear. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. That's the toe. Being fruitful in every good work. That's the thumb and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. In the application of the blood to these extremities, there is the sense that his entire life and thus our entire lives are to be enclosed in the service of to God. From head to toe and from hand to foot, he was sanctified as acceptable. The leper, as we saw, pictured man in sin. He once did not hear the word of God. His works were defiled by sin, and his walk was down a contrary and evil path. But now he is sanctified and set apart for the service of God. It is you and it is me cleansed by the blood of Christ. Verse 15. And the priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it into the palm of his own left hand. The blood was given to signify the shedding of Christ's blood by which sins are atoned for. The oil signifies the spirit by which the person is renewed. This is poured by the priest into the priest's left hand. The word priest is noted twice in the Hebrew to ensure that it is understood to be into his own left hand into which it is poured but not into the hand of the one to be cleansed. 
Christ, our high priest, is one from whom the Spirit issues. Verse 16, Then the priest shall dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left hand and shall sprinkle some of the oil with his finger seven times before the Lord. Here the priest is said to dip his finger in the oil. It is the same word used in verse 6 from last week when the bird was plunged into the water-blood mixture. He turned toward the tent of meeting, and then he would dip and sprinkle, dip and sprinkle, repeating this seven times. It is symbolic of the sevenfold spirit of the Lord, which is noted in Isaiah and in the book of Revelation. Verse 17, and the rest of the oil in his hand, the priest shall put some on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot, on the blood of the trespass offering. The blood symbolized dying to self, and henceforward living to God. It was given as a token of forgiveness of the trespass. The oil is now emblematic of healing. Thus we see Christ's blood that justifies and Christ's spirit that sanctifies. The oil is applied to the same points of the body as before. In type, it is the person prepared for service to the Lord and is now enabled for service to the Lord. Verse 18, the rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand, he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed. Any remaining oil in the priest's hand after the sprinkling and the application to the body was to be put on top of the cleansed leper's head. It was not to simply be wiped off of the hand or drained onto the ground. As the oil is emblematic of the spirit, it is given without measure to the healed leper. Think of it. He could have had a big hand or he could have had a small hand. He could have poured a little bit or he could have poured a lot. We have no idea how much was poured into his hand and how much is left. Thus, it is applied to the head, symbolizing the abundance of the spirit as determined by the spirit alone for head knowledge, which is sanctified knowledge, as Paul says in Ephesians 4. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So think it through. Every person in here has been given a different gift or amount of the Spirit for head knowledge, for performing the work of the Lord. Some of you come into church and you listen, and that is your gift, is to learn the Word of God. Some people go out and tell people about Jesus, and that is their gift. Some people are in uh, seminaries, and they're professors, and they have all this head knowledge, which is given by the Spirit. It's the same Spirit, but it's without measure because we don't know how much each of us has gotten. That was determined by the Lord. Wonderful symbolism given to us here in a passage which most people have never read one time in their entire life. And it's marvelous to think that God is in control of every single thing that's happening. Verse 18 continues, So the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord. These words are speaking of the process which has been accomplished, but it is not specifically atonement as in propitiation for sin. That's coming in the next verse. Rather, there has been a gulf which separated the leper from the Lord. This trespass offering has been given to cover this and make at one meant. It's to bring them together. It's a relationship together once again between the Lord and the person. From there, the specific sins will next be atoned for or covered. Verse 19, then the priest shall offer the sin offering and make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. This sin offering would be the ewe lamb mentioned in verse 10. It is typical of Christ who was made sin and who also is a sin offering for his people. 
This sacrificial lamb was prophesied in Isaiah 53, verse 7, with these words. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. The same word, the same symbolism. It is again noted in a prophecy spoken of by John the Baptist with these words. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There is first the trespass offering, and then there is the sin offering. Each is typical of the coming work of Christ. And then, verse 19 continues, afterward he shall kill the burnt offering. The olah, or burnt offering, is last. The burnt offering is emblematic of one's life given wholly to God. For the healed leper, he gives his burnt offering, typical of Christ who gave his life wholly to God. The healed leper is saying that he will emulate the offering with his own life. As Christ died to self, so the burnt offering is killed, emblematic of the healed leper dying to self as his own burnt offering. Verse 20. And the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar, so the priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be clean. A burnt offering is one described as a sweet-smelling savor elsewhere in the Bible. In this, it is emblematic of Paul's words concerning Christ. Here's what he says about that in Ephesians 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. And walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. The grain offering is noted in verse 10 was to be fine flour mixed with oil. The fine flour, as seen in chapter 2, reflects Christ, the finest grain which comprises the bread of life. It is then mixed with oil, symbolic of his life being completely permeated with the Spirit of God. Only a portion of this would have been burnt up on the altar after having frankincense added into it. This memorial portion pictured Christ and his work being offered up to God as a fragrant offering. The rest of the grain offering would then belong to the priests. Once his final offering was made, full atonement was made, and the healed leper was now deemed clean. He had the same full rights and access of any other member of the congregation. As I said, all of these offerings are only types of things which occur instantaneously in the believer. Christ's work is immediate, and it is all sufficient to restore the plagued soul once and for all. This spotless lamb, so innocent and pure, has to die for me to be fully purified. In its shed blood is to be found the cure. I shall be healed. After it has died, I have been a poor leper, my wounds open and sore. My sin had kept me far from the people of God. This affliction I don't want anymore. Now I hope for a new path to trod. My heart is open to the spotless lamb, innocent and pure, who died for me to be cleansed and purified. In his shed blood, I have found the cure. I can be healed because for me, he died. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God, our Christ Jesus. Hallelujah to the one who has done such wonderful things for us. Our second thought today is provision for the poor. It's verses 21 through 32. Verse 21, but if he is poor and cannot afford it, then he shall take one male lamb as a trespass offering to be waived to make atonement for him. One tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, a log of oil. Provision is mercifully made for the poor to bring a lesser sacrifice. But without some sacrifice, there could be no cleansing. As the New Testament shows, there is no remission without the shedding of blood. 
and so even a poor person was required to bring at least one male lamb. Likewise, it is true that anyone who comes to God must bring with him the Lamb of God, Christ Jesus. The requirement is set here because the typology must be maintained. Without Christ, there is no cleansing, no healing, no redemption. One can see here that the typology of Christ as our Lamb or our Asham or guilt offering is extremely important in God's mind. To not require this lamb for our guilt would then violate the typology for the New Testament. One could say, see, I came to God apart from the lamb. Such, however, is not the case. It is only Christ the lamb through whom we are reconciled to God. Rich or poor, all must come through him. In the case of a poor person, the adjective used is the word dal. It signifies to dangle. And so by implication, it means weak or thin, as a poor person certainly is. Such a person would be hard-pressed to provide the previous offerings. The Hebrew reads, maseget, And no, his hand can reach. In other words, he's so poor that his hand cannot reach out for a sufficient amount to purchase the previous offerings. And so, one male lamb is required for the trespass or guilt offering to be waived. Along with that would be one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil instead of three-tenths. Also, as before, a log of oil. Requiring the same log of oil shows us that there is one spirit and only he can search out the deep things of God. The rich man cannot buy more of the spirit and the poor man is not acceptable with less, if that were possible. The same spirit is equally necessary to each one as to the other. Verse 22, And two turtle doves or two young pigeons, such as he is able to afford, one shall be a sin offering and the other a burnt offering. In the case of the poor person, instead of a second male lamb and an ewe lamb, he could bring two turtle doves or two doves. As it says, Asher tasig yado, which his hand can reach. In this case, one is for the sin offering and the other for the burnt offering. It is the same allowance which was made for the poor woman who conducted her ritual of purification after childbirth, which was recorded in Leviticus chapter 12. As it says in Acts chapter 10, verse 34, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Such is the case here. God accepts the rich and the poor alike, and he is willing to give great mercy to the poor when necessary. As long as he first comes through the lamb, there is full redemption. These birds picture Christ in their simplicity, purity, and humility. Further, the affection of the dove for its mate makes it a splendid picture of Christ who was so very affectionate for his people that he came to dwell among them and give his life for them. Both of these thoughts fit so perfectly with a poor person who had come to him. They are humble and yet so very loved by the Lord Verse 23, he shall bring them to the priest on the eighth day for his cleansing to the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. This verse combines the thoughts of verses 10 and 11, which surround the named offerings, but it is the exact same thought. It is on the eighth day of his cleansing when he brings his offerings to the priest at the door of the tent of meeting before the Lord. Verse 24, and the priest shall take the lamb of the trespass offering and the log of oil, and the priest shall wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. The wording here closely resembles that of verse 12. However, instead of it being one of the male lambs, it is the only male lamb. Other than that, it is the same procedure with the same meaning. This verse now has the fifth 
and very last use of the word log in the entire Bible, you can wave goodbye to the log. Verse 25, then he shall kill the lamb of the trespass offering and the priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering and put it on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. This verse closely resembles verses 13 and 14, but in a more brief form. But the requirements are just the same as before. Verse 26, and the priest shall pour some of the oil into the palm of his own left hand. With just a few words of difference, this is identical in thought to verse 15. Verse 27, then the priest shall sprinkle with his right finger some of the oil that is in his left hand seven times before the Lord. Again, with just a few words of difference, the thought here is identical to verse 16. The intent is wholly the same. Verse 28, And the priest shall put some of the oil that is in his hand on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, on the thumb of the right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot, on the place of the blood of the trespass offering. And again, the procedures are the same as before. For rich man and for poor, the same rites and the same purifications are conducted. Verse 29, the rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand, he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed to make atonement for him before the Lord. The remaining oil in the priest's hand is once again to be put on the head of the poor healed leper. The same procedures with the same full cleansing are given to him as to the richest noble. In Christ, there is no partiality, but rather there is the same love and grace poured out on all. The Spirit is given to both poor and rich alike. And one thing that I'd like to just think about in my head is the poor guy that hears of Jesus, right? He doesn't have anything. And the Lord says, I'm going to just heap the Spirit on this guy. And he becomes a great preacher. And you've got this person up in New York that makes billions of dollars a year and He loves the Lord. He's saved by the same Lord, but he gets a small measure of the, so the Lord favors the humble, doesn't he? And I just, that's my own thought. That's not what the Bible says. It doesn't say anything about New York City, but I just love the symbolism here. So we have no idea who is getting what from the Lord. It is his to determine, but he will determine properly. Verse 30, and he shall offer one of the turtle doves or young pigeons such as he can afford. Now the changes to the right become evident. In this, it says that one of the birds is to be selected me asher tasig yado, or of which can reach his hand. His poor state is highlighted here, indicating that the Lord is granting an additional mercy to him because of his plight. And again, this state is noted in the next verse, verse 31, such as he is able to afford. The words are repeated specifically to show his diminished state, but it is not to show and highlight it as if he is somehow of less value to the Lord. Instead, it is to show and even highlight that he has found the same favor as the rich man before the Lord. There is no consideration of his impoverished state except in that the Lord is now magnified through his goodness to him because of it. Verse 31 continues, the one is a sin offering and the other is a burnt offering with the grain offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him who is to be cleansed before the Lord. These words substantially repeat the thought of verses 19 and 20. One of the birds replaces the ewe lamb and the second bird replaces the second male lamb. The small grain offering is accepted in place of the larger one and atonement is made for the poor healed leper there lifne Jehovah, or in the face of the Lord, or before the Lord. Verse 32 finishes us up today. This is the law for one who had a leprous sore who cannot afford the usual cleansing. 
One final time, the words which cannot reach his hand are given. Considering what the plague of leprosy pictured over these past many, many verses, it is a marked and wonderful note to end them on. The Lord has extended his hand to even the poorest of all the poor beggar sinners of the world, and none are exempt from his kindness if they will just come to him for cleansing. As a great summary of the parts of chapter 13 and 14 which pertain to leprosy and people, John Gill provides us the following words to consider and to take to heart. He says, It may be observed that a great deal of notice is taken of a leper, and strict inquiry made into the nature of leprosy, and the various signs of it given, and a great deal to do about the cleansing and expiation of him, all which shows what notice God takes of leprous sinners, and what a diligent scrutiny should be made into the evil nature of sin." And what a provision God has made for the cleansing and atonement of sinners by the blood and sacrifice of his son, which is here typified by all sorts of offerings, the sin offering, the trespass offering, the burnt offering, and the meat offering. What is more to add on to his words is that God has made provision not just for sinners, but for all sinners. The refuse of the world, its very off-scouring, can be purified through a humble act of petition and by a verbal act of confession. Paul, who mostly explains these ancient types and shadows, tells us exactly what we need to do in order to receive this marvelous fount of cleansing. In the 10th chapter of the book of Romans, he says the following, The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a done deal. Now, I'll tell you something. It's funny that that verse is there because I wasn't thinking about that until just right now. But yesterday, I had somebody that got all over me because of what it says on the very first page of the Superior Word website. I have a page there that says um, uh, salvation, if you want to know how to be saved. And I put all this information. I put a picture of the cross of Christ and God over here, man over here, and all this stuff. And I talk about Isaiah 53, and I talk about the expiation of sin because of Christ's shed blood, everything. I go through all of it. And at the very end, I give a very simple prayer. If you don't know what to say, just ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins. And I basically said something like, oh God, I'm a sinner. I know I need to be saved. Please come into my life, come into my heart and save me. And I will live for you as you give me strength. That's almost a quote. It's very close. And this lady emailed me and she said that I'm leading people to hell because I said that you, I have asked Jesus to come into my heart, and it doesn't say that anywhere in Scripture. And I thought, what a pathetic human being to say something like this when you are facing an entire discourse about the work of Jesus Christ, what he has done in order to be saved, and then I basically just repeat what it says that I just read you right here. What does it say? For with the heart one believes. And she says, well, it never says in the Bible that uh, the heart is um, representative of belief. Well, it says it right there. And if you go through the Bible and do a two-minute study on the word heart, what is it that man does when he turns away from God? There 
hearts have turned away from me. Go all the way through the Bible. The heart is the seat of reasoning in the Bible. It's not the seat of emotions, but there are emotions within the reasoning. And she's saying this, and I blocked her on Facebook. I'm done with this human being. I got to tell you what, I, I want nothing to do with people like that that are so utterly corrupt. They hear something in a sermon and they carry it with you and then they come to you and they badger you. They needle you over something like that. Not to be complaining here, but I want you to understand that Jesus Christ is fully sufficient to save. And he doesn't really care how you come to him with your words. He cares that you acknowledge that he died for your sins and that he came from the grave in order to prove it. All right. And if your wording isn't perfect, she's saying that people are going to go to hell because they made a confession. I, I, I can't even imagine that. I can't imagine the stupidity of some people. Here's my thought. Vile sinner, come to Christ and be healed of your plague. Come into God's camp and be counted among the cleansed, the purified, the redeemed, and the sanctified people of the Lord. And how you pray to him is up to you. It is between you and him. And the spirit, because you believe in the work of Christ, has already anointed you. And now live that out to your full potential. All right? That is what you need to do. You need to call on Christ. You need to be cleansed of your sin. And you will be saved forever. You can never lose it. And don't let people give you all kinds of crazy theology Stick to the basic gospel. And as I said, and I've said it week after week, and I want to say it again. If you move, if you go to another church, whatever happens in your life, stay away from anyone that would say that you have to observe the law of Moses. That is the absolute poison which is warned against by Paul time and time and time again. The entire book of Galatians is written about that one precept. If you go back on the law of Moses, Paul says you are a debtor to the whole law. You are a debtor to the whole law. You have fallen from grace. That does not mean that you're going to lose your salvation, but it means that you are now no longer pleasing to God in any way, shape, or form. And if you've never come to Jesus by grace, then you will never do it, working your way to heaven in the law of Moses. It is obsolete. It is annulled. It is set aside. It is weak, and it is unprofitable. It is nailed to the cross. That's why I'm reading you those verses time and time again. Be careful of the Hebrew Roots movement or anybody that would get you into a trap. Seventh-day Adventists, i got to go sit in church all day on Saturday and, and observe the Sabbath. Fulfilled in Christ. Even as this guy said on that tape over there, it's fulfilled. Yeah. Says it like 50 times. And then he says, yeah, but it's not fulfilled. And he contradicts himself. But it's still a good series if you want to listen to it. Anyway, let me give you a closing verse. I'll stop yapping and we'll, uh, we'll uh, have the Lord's Supper. Closing verse comes from 1 Corinthians 1, it's verses 26 through 31. For you see your calling, brethren. Now think of this poor sinner that, uh, uh, you know, was anointed with a ton of the Spirit. And you got some other guy that came and he got a little bit of the Spirit. They're both saved, but this guy's going to do great things for God. Think of it here. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him... You are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That is, as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. All right? Wonderful. Wonderful. Next week is Leviticus 14, 33 through 57. 
Be sure to be here, but please leave behind your pet mouse. It's entitled Leprosy in the House. That'll be our 24th Leviticus sermon, okay? And the Lord has you exactly where he wants you. He has a good plan and a purpose for you. Even if you have a lifetime of sin heaped up behind you, he can wash it away and he can purify you completely and wholly. So follow him and trust him and he will do marvelous things for you and through you, okay? Poem and we're done. Purified from all defilement. On the eighth day, he shall take two male lambs without blemish, one ewe lamb of the first year without blemish too, three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, and as a grain offering, one log of oil, so he shall do. Then the priest who makes him clean shall present the man who is to be made clean, this he shall be completing, and those things before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And the priest shall take one male lamb and offer it as a trespass offering according to this word and the log of oil and wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. Then he shall kill the lamb in the place where he kills the sin offering, there it shall be. And the burnt offering in a holy place. For as the sin offering is the priest's, so is the trespass offering. It is most holy. The priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering. And the priest shall put it on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed. He shall do this thing. And on the thumb of his right hand as well. And on the big toe of his right foot. As to you I now tell. And the priest shall take some of the log of oil. Please understand. And pour it into the palm of his own left hand. Then the priest shall dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left hand according to this word, and he shall sprinkle some of the oil with his finger seven times before the Lord. And the rest of the oil in his hand, the priest shall put some on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed on the thumb of his right hand, as you now hear, and on the big toe of his right foot, so he shall do this thing on the blood of the trespass offering." The rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand, he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed. So do. The priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord. This is what I am instructing you. Then the priest shall offer the sin offering and make atonement for him. A covering it shall bring, who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. Afterward, he shall kill the burnt offering. And the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. So the priest shall make atonement for him and he shall be clean. In these things, the priest shall not falter. But if he is poor and cannot afford it, then he shall take one male lamb. This he shall do as a trespass offering to be waived to make atonement for him, as I am telling you. One-tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, a log of oil and two turtle doves or two young pigeons, such as he is able to afford, surely he can do this thing. One shall be a sin offering and the other a burnt offering, so shall be his proffering. He shall bring them to the priest according to this word on the eighth day for his cleansing to the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. Then the priest shall take the lamb of the trespass offering and the log of oil. Do heed the word and the priest shall wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. Then he shall kill the lamb of the trespass offering and the priest of the blood shall take of the trespass offering for the cleansed man's sake and put it on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed as I to you tell on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot as well. And the priest shall pour some of the oil, please understand, into the palm of his own left hand. Then the priest shall sprinkle with his right finger, according to this word, some of the oil that is in his left hand seven times before the Lord. 
Then the priest shall put some of the oil that is in his hand on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed as you now hear. On the thumb of the right hand there he shall do this thing and on the big toe of his right foot on the place of the blood of the trespass offering. The rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand pay careful heed to this word. He shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed to make atonement for him before the Lord. Then he shall offer one of the turtle doves or young pigeons such as he can afford, such as he is able to afford. The one is a sin offering and the other is a burnt offering with the grain offering there before the Lord. So the priest shall make atonement for him who is to be cleansed before the Lord. This is the law for one who had a leprous sore who cannot the usual cleansing afford. Lord God Almighty, how marvelous is the story of what Christ has done for lepers like us. We have gone from defilement unto glory, all because of the wonderful work of Jesus. How can it be that you would care for fallen man, stepping out of eternity to walk with us? Wondrous are your ways, glorious is your plan. Thank you, O God, for the wonderful work of Jesus. Hallelujah and amen. Heavenly Father, we do say hallelujah. And we say amen because you have cleansed and purified each person here through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, our lamb. We thank you for that. It's something that we will ponder over for all of eternity and never fully understand how you could do this for people like us, all of us, off-scouring, just sinful people that are on a one-way course to hell and instead you just redirect us and send us to the broad open spaces of heaven. Thank you for that. Lord God, we certainly do once again pray for the people in Texas and Louisiana who have suffered loss and many trials and who are now going to face a long week of heat and trouble. We would pray that you would be with them, strengthen them, encourage them, and give wisdom to the people that are tending to them so that this will quickly be behind them and they'll be able to rebuild and move on, but not forgetting where their blessings come from, from you, the fountain of all grace and all blessing. Lord God, We once again pray for our president as well, that he would be strengthened and emboldened to make the right steps without fear of anybody coming against him because you are on his side. We would pray this, that he would be built up and that you would be glorified. And Lord, we do pray for Paul. We're thankful that he's out of the ICU. We pray for Bob, who is even out of the hospital and opening us today. We thank you and pray for Don, who is still in the hospital, and all of the other people that we mention from time to time and that are in our hearts and on our prayer lists. We raise them all up to you, Lord, asking that you attend to them according to your great wisdom. How good you are to us, O God. How good you are to us. And so we exalt you in Jesus' name. Amen.